This is the Canadian Taxpayers Federation podcast, where we are fighting for lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the Alberta director here in Lethbridge. And my two friends, Franco Terrazano, he's federal director. He's in Ottawa. And I think next door in the next office or something, Ryan Thorpe. He is our rock star investigative journalist. We don't get to hear from him as often as we should. They're both in Ottawa holding down the fort. So guys, I... (laughs) <laughs> Arrive Can has been the thorn in everybody's side now for months. Uh, I don't know how much you guys experienced it, but I was coming back across once on, from in the border in my car and I had to fill out this stupid thing. I was on the phone with the border guard and like Health Canada and crap for like three hours. It was ridiculous. And so I know a lot of people had to go back and forth all the time for work or to visit family and they just despised this thing. But on top of it not working well, apparently it just blew a heck of a ton of money what is the latest just walk our people through if they haven't been keeping the play-by-play in committee where are we at right now with this scandal involving this arrive can app so uh to say that uh, this app blew a lot of money would be uh, a bit of an understatement i think it uh, the final bill came in at around 54 million dollars uh but the latest news uh on the arrive can file which we broke here this week at the canadian taxpayers federation is that federal health executives who are assigned to oversee the arrive can app uh took home 342 thousand dollars in bonuses after (laughs) uh, overseeing this uh, debacle of an app. Um, So these were eight uh, executives with the Public Health Agency of Canada. And for the 2020 and 2021 fiscal year and the 2021 and 2022 fiscal year, they got 342 grand in bonuses. And we learned this by going through some newly released uh, government documents. And I think it's important to note here that this likely is not the total amount of bonuses paid out to executives who oversaw ArriveCan. This is just for the Public Health Agency of Canada, um, the Canadian Border Services Agency, and Public Services and Procurement Canada were also asked, hey, how much did you guys pay out uh, in bonuses to your executives who oversaw this thing? And they refused to say. So likely more bonuses. Uh, We're going to keep digging into that uh, for the time being. Um, And yeah, and just a quick timeline on the kind of overall Arrive Can scandal is that uh, the app launched in April 2020 with a price tag of $80,000. By October 2022, this had somehow spiraled to $54 million, which was the final bill for taxpayers. Uh, In November 2022, a couple of independent uh, techies who had been witnessing all of this recreated the app over a long weekend uh, and said that the development cost for this thing should have been around $250,000. And there have been significant uh, subcontracting irregularities that have been covered widely in the press. But the latest uh, from us here at the CTF is the 342 thousand dollars in bonuses to the public health agency of canada executives on this file okay there's a lot to unpack here franco and i'm gonna let you run with this (laughs) number one shout out to the two bros who wanted to avoid family over thanksgiving and went downstairs in their basement and recreated the arrive can app for like peanuts uh by comparison so that's impressive when i think about the incompetence of the federal government uh things that spring to mind are things like uh the bank of canada not being able to keep interest rates low cbc uh wasting all of our money while 
hemorrhaging viewers, still getting bonuses. Um, CMHC, their one job is to keep housing affordable. (laughs) Didn't do that either. Franco, I can sense you're being triggered here. As soon as Ryan said bonuses for executives, I saw you perk up. Well, I mean... There's a couple things here, folks. Like, first of all, like, leave it to Ryan to undersell his own credit. Like, we at the CTF broke the story. No, folks, because of your support, we have a brilliant investigative journalist, Ryan Thorpe. Just don't let him hear me saying this, okay? We don't want to pump his tires too much. But he's the one who broke this. He went through government documents, right? 340,000 smackers to executives, uh, who are overseeing or working on arrive can. Of course, that's only one of multiple departments. But look, folks, let me just break these numbers down even more. Okay. So we know that there was eight executives under the uh, Public Health Agency of Canada that was working on it. We don't know exactly uh, how many of them in total got the bonus. You know, we don't know which ones got which amounts. But if you just do the simple math over those two years, that's like an average bonus of more than 40,000 bucks. I mean, prime, like a uh, prime example of, you know, using taxpayer money to fund bonuses for failing government executives. And Chris, to your point here, uh, not the first time this is happening, right? Bank of Canada, one job, one job, keep inflation low around 2%. They failed. Everyone knows they failed. They even admitted they should be held accountable. Nope. Tens of millions of dollars in bonuses over the last three years. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, right? Their one objective, overarching objective is is housing affordability for all. That didn't happen. Uh, How many Canadians are struggling to afford Mm -hmm. uh, to ever buy a home, right? Doesn't matter to them. Tens of millions of dollars in bonuses. Uh, The CBC, our favorite state broadcaster that we talk about on this show quite frequently. uh, What, 99 million smackers in bonuses since 2015. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of out of control. Uh, The one bright spot, if we can call it that in Ottawa, is that the official opposition leader, Pierre Polyev, the leader of the Conservative Party, we have him on the record on the Canadian Taxpayers podcast saying that he would end bonuses for failing government authorities, including the Bank of Canada, including the CBC. So we're going to hold him to that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I see this making news mostly on X, um, a lot with the with the whole issue of ArriveCan and quite a bit on Parliament Hill. So I haven't been following the play by play at the committee. But from what I can tell, there's a lot of parliamentarians on that committee that are asking some pretty darn tough questions when it comes to this sort of stuff and for accountability on arrive can. So just hearing that this is an entire debacle, a huge scandal, huge waste of money, didn't work. Everybody despised using this thing. And the peep, some of the people responsible for overseeing this thing were rewarded with bonuses, like just add government. So well, let me just put a fine a fine point on this, right? Because okay. you mentioned parliamentary com- uh, committee. I mean, we were at committee. We were yeah. at committee a couple months ago testifying on exactly this in front of parliament, in front of MPs saying, and the bonuses, right? At that time, we didn't have these figures, but we were saying there should be no executives who worked on Arrive Can in whatever capacity, they should not be getting a bonus. I mean- <laughs> I can't believe I have to say this, but look, if I cost my company $50 million and it became a national scandal, I wouldn't be getting a bonus. I'd have to polish off my resume. Okay. So (laughs) we're going to play, we're going to play the initial part of the testimony for you at the end of the podcast here. So uh, listen through and let me just put a fine little bow on this whole thing. Right. I got to repeat the timeline. April, 2020, this app launches 80 K. 
Around July 2022, we find out it's 26 million. Okay, a couple months later, we find out, no, 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 no. The cost of taxpayer was actually 54 million bucks. Okay, so let me just like describe a simple analogy that I think everyone can understand. Say you're taking your car to the mechanic for a simple fix that's supposed to cost 80 bucks. Okay. Then the mechanic tells you, well, the cost is actually 2,600 bucks. Wow. Then you get the final bill back. It's 5,400 bucks and the invoice has been redacted. You'd be furious. You'd have every right to be furious. But this is exactly how taxpayers were treated. And instead of real accountability, it's bonuses for executives. Now, one last thing. Think about the type of perverse incentive that this shows. Yeah. Hey, don't worry, folks working in government. You can soak taxpayers for $54 million. No accountability. Bonuses anyway. Yeah, it is totally unacceptable. And you nailed it at committee. So, folks, we're going to play that entire thing. I think it's around five minutes and 40 seconds long. We're going to put that on at the end of the podcast. I strongly recommend you listen to it because your spidey sense was right, Franco, and probably Ryan, too, of guesstimating that there's going to be bonuses here and saying that we need to end them this entire thing you could write books about this thing so thank you guys for being on top of this and covering this folks <laughs> if you don't like having bonuses handed out to executives who are responsible for debacles like arrive can make sure you're on the horn with your member of parliament and telling them to take this nonsense seriously speaking of nonsense can we talk about blowing close to half a million dollars on an affordability retreat in charlottetown can we move there yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can jump in on that. So yeah. uh, folks might remember uh, back in August 2023, uh, Trudeau uh, held a cabinet retreat in PEI. And this was billed as their affordability summit, right? They were going to get down to the business of making life more affordable Canadians. Uh, how did they do this? Naturally, they billed taxpayers for $485,000 over the course of this three-day retreat. It's worth noting, no new policy announcements came out of this retreat. So nothing was announced at the end of it, uh, except taxpayers were sent this bill for nearly half a million bucks. And uh, when we crunched the numbers, which again, we got some newly released uh, government documents. We went through those line by line, at adding everything up. Um, they spent a hundred grand on hotels and nearly $75,000 on food for a three-day retreat. It's about 25 grand a day on food and drink. It sounds like they were eating pretty well out there. And, um, and yeah, and again, cost likely higher. The records note that, hey, we haven't finished processing uh, all of the expense claims yet. So this number could continue uh, to tick upwards in the coming months. So just got to jump in there really quick because there was a, a couple comments, Franco, under our last podcast that we posted on YouTube with people saying something to the effect of, how can you guys laugh at this stuff? <laughs> We're laughing because otherwise we'll cry. For real. Okay, so for the folks who are listening to this who are struggling to afford canned tuna, while your bloody members of parliament are lunching on lobster on your dime, we hear you. We know that you're upset. We know you're mad. We're presenting this with a bit of a smile because otherwise you'll go crazy. So we're laughing because otherwise we'd cry. It's the Patch Adams approach. So let's laugh because otherwise we'll cry, Franco. Um, what is the logic here of the government saying that we're going to move as a group, as a herd of politicians, out of the national capital region. So where yeah. you and Ryan are sitting right now, you're surrounded by buildings. 
that are heated and air conditioned and wired for sound and translation services and you name it. All their food can be catered to them, no problem. They can do all their work there. What is the reasoning here with them doing these retreats based on topics? Well, they get to crisscross around the country and build taxpayers. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there any is any like legitimate rationale or anything that they could say that would make a three day cabinet retreat in Charlottetown costing taxpayers about five hundred thousand bucks. I don't think there's any legitimate rationale. I mean, to your point, uh, Ottawa full of office bases. I mean, we're doing this through Zoom. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to do a three day affordability retreat, so called. Um, to cost taxpayers 500k and and you know I just want to kind of circle back real quick about your your insight into um mockery because that's also part of it too right like you kind of have to mock these folks right because you know yeah. they think oh I'm so important I'm an expert I wear a suit and tie every day no I mean when you spend five hundred thousand dollars on a so-called affordability retreat yeah you're gonna get mocked and they hate that they hate that so much right they can oh, yeah. take the anger they can't take the ridicule and what really fires me up speaking of anger <laughs> is the fact that like hey folks you don't need to crisscross around the country talking to each other spending hundreds of thousands of taxpayers money who are struggling to figure out how to make life more affordable for canadians like they're not even doing the easy things right okay we are firmly on the record and we'll keep fighting every single day until the carbon tax is completely scrapped. But even if Trudeau wasn't willing to scrap the carbon tax completely, he could at least not raise it again on April 1, right? Yep. He could at least yep. extend the same relief he provided predominantly to Atlantic Canadians and take the carbon tax off of everyone's home heating bill, right? Trudeau could make sure Bill C-234 that would take the carbon tax off of every farm fuel used mm -hmm. on Canadian farms, that would help Canadian farmers, right? That would help Canadian gro uh, grocery prices not be so high. He can make sure that bill becomes law, the original one. Or how about this? Just don't raise alcohol taxes again, right? So it's not even like, like I understand the economy's complex, I get that, but there's so many easy little things that Trudeau could do to make life more affordable today that he's not. And instead, they're crisscrossing the country billing you hundreds of thousands of dollars for a three-day retreat. They are. And um, I've covered similar things like this, but even then they were like caucus meetings. You know how they have the kind of lockdown things for a couple of days uh, before Parliament starts? I've covered those. And even then they were much less fancy affairs. Uh, in, like I said lobster for a reason. Because we saw like a liberal member of parliament, I forget her name, literally tweeting pictures of herself eating lobster while in Charlottetown. Like it's while, you know, it's such a let you eat cake moment. Right. So this this government has become so tone deaf that they will bill people close to half a million dollars for an affordability summit and not blush over it. Uh, I would urge my fellow journalists and former colleagues, don't let them off the hook on this stuff. Okay, this is the stuff that matters to your listeners and to your viewers and to people who pay, hopefully pay your paychecks and get your viewership up. Start asking these members of parliament why they deserve this nonsense and why they're spending this kind of money. Um, speaking of spending money on nonsensical things, this is something I actually couldn't understand. How did we spend money, Franco or Ryan, either of you guys jump in here, on hotel rooms that weren't used? Yeah. How did you know, this we... go on? Like. 
we could probably go all day on some of the crazy expenses, but like, let's just dig into the story quickly and then move on with it. Okay. This one, like, I almost don't even know where to start, right? So it turns out the Fed spent $600,000 on luxury hotel rooms in Vancouver that weren't used. Not six, not just $600,000 on luxury hotel rooms. No, no, no. $600,000 on luxury hotel rooms that weren't used. Now, that's crazy. I know. Let me give you some backstory, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But so there's this organization. It's called the Organization for Security and Cooperation. Now, it's a largely a conference of European parliamentarians, right? To talk about security, geopolitical issues, whatever. Now, Canada is a member, but it's largely for European parliamentarians. Now, I'll admit, I don't have a PhD in geography, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Vancouver isn't in Europe. Right? Okay. Okay. I'm going to say this like a hundred times, but like even crazier than this is the fact that many of the rooms that weren't used was because European politicians or European parliamentarians either didn't come to Vancouver because they thought the cost was too expensive or they decided to stay in cheaper hotels further from the conference. No, they did not. You didn't tell me that part before. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> so, so they're like, staying at like Motel 6 <laughs> and they're like, oh no, is it too expensive? I'm, I'm going to stay at like Super 8. <laughs> well, they didn't stay at the these four or five star luxury hotels that the government <laughs> of Canada booked and paid for, right? So, I mean, just once I would love to read a news story in Europe saying that a Canadian politician decided not to stay at the fanciest, most expensive hotel room, right? Don't when wait our politicians go over there, <laughs> Trudeau stays in a $6,000 per night hotel room, or when he goes to Manhattan, they spend 61 k on Manhattan hotel rooms during a two-day anti-poverty summit. You know, just once. Now, this would probably come on April Fool's Day, but just once, I'd love to open up the newspaper, go on to Twitter, see something about a politician from Canada saying, nah, I think this is too expensive for us taxpayers back home. Oh my gosh. I, so now we can say like European parliamentarians thought this was too much of a waste of money. So they didn't do it. But Canada is like, here, hold my beer. We'll still pay for it. So did they then, did they, do you know, did they like rent a block of them and just pay up front? And then the hotel just sat there empty and then these dudes didn't come use this? Well, I mean, I don't have the details on like what yeah. happened with the hotel, but um, one of the things the government said, okay, folks, we get it. 600,000 bucks on the luxury hotel rooms that weren't even used is kind of crazy, right? So don't worry. Next time we'll wait until a little bit later on until we actually have firmer numbers of the delegates that are going to come before we book the hotel rooms. Yeah. Great job, government. Awesome. Okay. Like it just, so I've worked on the Hill in many capacities. They have people whose jobs this is. Like, like their full-time job. It's like, you know, event planning and all this nonsense. You pay their full salary and they still screwed this up. Like, this is not a newbie thing. That is just redonkulous. All right. Oh, that's a good pro tip. Do we want to get into our taxpayer pro tips? Yeah. You know, I'll start off the top. I was going to start with okay. the taxpayer pro tip on like, hey, like, can someone in Ottawa just end these bonuses? <clears throat> but you know what? I'm going to give one out to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Uh, he's plummeting in the polls. That's pretty obvious. Um, and I think one of the reasons is, is these stories like 
the $6,000 per night hotel room, the stories like the 61K hotel rooms in Manhattan for a two-day anti-poverty summit, the stories about like 500000 bucks spent on a three-day cabinet retreat kind of has me thinking, you know, I think Canadians are starting to kind of understand that Trudeau spends big, he lives big, and he's not like you. Yeah, it kind of seems to be a kind of a problem. So if, you know, if if Trudeau or anyone else in government wants to change that perception, maybe saw a bill in taxpayers for 6K per night hotel rooms or a 500K cabinet retreat, three-day getaway in Charlottetown. So yeah, that, that's a, just a little pro tip. Yeah, maybe start acting like you've had to cover rent and bills ever before in your life. If you start doing that, uh, people might let up. Ryan, what's your taxpayer pro tip? Uh, so mine's, it's not so much a taxpayer pro tip as it is a taxpayer tip of the hat. I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Black Locks Reporter who do incredible work. And uh, this week, uh, it's kind of inside baseball stuff, but uh, on the app formerly known as Twitter, I've been seeing some journalist infighting going on. Yep. Holly Dillon, the publisher at Black Locks, uh, kind of getting into it with a few uh, different Canadian journalists, uh, including some that are taking government money. One thing I wanted to give a shout out for, Blacklocks doesn't take any government money. They rejected all of the subsidies that the feds have been pushing on the industry, which I think was a principled stand. I think it was a right stand. And I think it's why a lot of people trust their work. Um, and they just do great work all the time. Uh, and they, including this week, they broke, uh, they broke a couple of good stories. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out uh, to them. Yeah, they're outstanding. Uh, they do the hard W5 type journalism that I think a lot of Canadians expect. I saw that Twitter fight and might have gotten in there with a bit of elbows up too, because uh, journalists should not be paid by the government, period. And I think that, um, you know, one of, one of our folks over at uh, the Toronto Sun, a guy I've worked with for a long time, basically asked, when did this journalist infighting start? Well, going on government payroll really adds gasoline to that fire. Uh, there's other factors too as well, but uh, guys... Don't be paid by the government. You want to hold government to account? Just say no to their money. Um, my taxpayer pro tip is a tip of the hat as well. And that is to the folks in Alberta. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you guys ever showing some pluckiness here? So here in Alberta, we actually have, uh, thank you to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, because this is something we fought for. We actually have recall legislation at the city hall level and the school board level, by the way. So parents who aren't really keen on what's going on in their kids' schools. Pro tip, you actually have recall legislation at the school board level. So what's happening right now in Calgary, and I don't know if it's going to win or lose or whatever. They have to get like 500,000 signatures or something. A longtime business owner in Calgary just isn't happy with the accountability at City Hall in Calgary. So he has started a recall petition against Mayor Jody Gondek. See where that goes. The purpose here, though, is to highlight this tool, this mechanism of accountability. It is so important. So now we have... City Hall politicians who know that this tool is in the toolbox, okay? It is the ability of taxpayers and voters to be able to hold them to account between elections. And we've got a good example. The village of Riley actually recalled their mayor because they thought he wasn't keeping the books well enough and wasn't being accountable and not showing up to council, not answering questions. So you know what? He's gone. So for folks who say, oh, threshold, <laughs> Franco, you want to jump in? No, I just want to say bye. Bye. <laughs> See you later. So for folks who say, hey, the threshold's too high, this will never work. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. This has recently worked in the province of Alberta 
at the city government level. So shout out to the grassroots spirit and direct democracy level of Albertans who are holding their politicians to account. So on that note with Franco waving, uh, you guys have to watch this. If you've hung on this long, you want to watch Franco walk into the dragon's den. That is committee. And uh, he holds his own and fights back for you, for taxpayers, for more than five minutes. So folks, uh, keep your keep your phone rolling, take a listen to this. And if you want to find out more about our organization or join the fight, head on over to our website, taxpayer.com. Roll the footage. I'm Franco Terrazano. I'm with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and I'm here on behalf of hundreds of thousands of Canadians who demand answers for the $54 million Arrive Can scandal. Why does everything always cost taxpayers more? Who is going to be held accountable? And why is everything as clear as mud? It cost $80,000 to launch the app in 2020. Then in July 2022, Canadians were told the cost jumped to about $26 million. A couple months later, Canadians were told the costs jumped again to $54 million. Then independent techies said the cost of building the app should be around $250,000. $250,000. Can you see why taxpayers are mad? Every time we turn around, we are told Arrive Can costs more. So who is going to be held accountable? If I told my boss I was going to do something for $10,000 and the actual bill was $100,000, I'd have to polish off my resume. Taxpayers are out $54 million because of the Arrive Can app. Which bureaucrat is out of a job? Which bureaucrat is even out of a bonus? Every year, about 90% of government executives get a bonus. What happened at the Canada Border Service Agency, the Public Health Agency, and Public Services and Procurement Canada? Well, we're going to break some news right here at the committee because we're going to talk about some documents we just got back from an access to information request. In these three government departments involved in ArriveCan, total compensation paid out to executives increased by $40 million between 2019 and 2022, a 31% increase. The average compensation for these government executives went from $193,000 to $204,000. The Prime Minister himself said the procurement process for the ArriveCan app seems highly illogical and inefficient. So will this committee recommend taking bonuses away for executives overseeing the Arrive Can debacle? Or is the message for next time, don't worry, you can blow through $54 million and keep your bonus because there is no accountability. The Prime Minister's 2021 mandate letter on public services and procurement said it's supposed to be open and transparent. But taxpayers have been left in the dark ever since the beginning whether that's the actual cost for ArriveCan or the details of who is actually working on the app. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation filed ATIP requests on all manners of ArriveCan records more than a year ago. As of October 2023, the CBSA has blown through six deadlines with no explanation. And the records we did get back are riddled with redactions, including hundreds of pages, including redactions. So will this committee make recommendations to improve transparency? You don't even have to come up with the recommendations yourself. Just copy the information commissioner's recommendations. Require transparency for all agencies or companies the government outsources programs to. Stop abusing exemptions to deliberately keep information from Canadians.
and for brownie points, implement a sunshine list like the vast majority of provinces. So let's, this, let's put this into perspective. Imagine going to a mechanic. They tell you the bill for a simple fix is 80 bucks. Then they tell you the bill is $2,600. Then you get the final bill back and it's $5,400 and the invoice is blacked out. You'd be outraged. But this is how taxpayers were treated with the ArriveCan app. And we demand accountability. The question for committee members now is, who is going to be held accountable for the ArriveCan scandal? Thank you.